Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Cooking has been, or it's a part of your growth in Mexico. There's no way that you arrive to 15 not knowing how to cook. Kitchen is the center of your lives in Mexico. For girls or girls and boys? Everybody. I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Hola, amigos. Today, we're chatting with a restaurateur who's bringing Mexican food and more to the Tampa Bay area. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Today, we're salivating over Mexican food and culture with Claudia Johnson. The Mexico City native is general manager of Grand Hacienda, a Mexican restaurant with a handful of Tampa Bay locations. Claudia's latest project is Sea Glass Tavern, which features elevated comfort food in Tampa's Citrus Park neighborhood. I recently met up with Claudia inside Grand Hacienda's 4th Street location in St. Petersburg. In our conversation, she discusses the complexity of Mexican cuisine, including regional differences and the strong French influence, something I had never really considered. She also shares how her business background influences her restaurants, and she explains how the minor Mexican holiday of Cinco de Mayo became such a big deal in the United States. I am Mexican. I was born raised in Mexico. I arrived here about 20 years ago. And although I have always been in the pharmaceutical business, whenever I retired, I started cooking from my house and uh, people started liking what I did. So the first brand Hacienda, well, I put it in 2015, started in St. Pete Beach. What we wanted to bring to St. Pete was a little bit of Mexico, not only on the flavor profile and the taste and the dishes, but also on the looks of the restaurant. We call it Gran Hacienda because haciendas are these big houses in Mexico that existed during the Spanish time and afterwards. And you know, after the revolution, we kicked them out. And, <laughs> and then the houses turned to be more hotels or restaurants. So we brought the tiles and the lamps and uh, the silverware, the glassware, the plates, everything that would transport you to a little place of Mexico. So it does not represent a specific place of Mexico, but it is the handcraft of many different states of Mexico. Okay, because that was going to be my next question. When you say you're transporting people to Mexico, where in Mexico? Or is it a mix? Because if, if we went to Europe and there was an American restaurant, what does that mean? Does it mean Texas barbecue? Does it mean New York pizza, Philly cheesesteaks? So what are some of the dishes on the menu? So the blend of what we served here, it's a mixture between the ancient Aztecs cuisine and ingredients, plus then the blend of the Spanish, which we were 300 years in Spanish. So the food is very European-based with Indian dishes and, and uh, ingredients. And then we were about 50 years French, 20 years Austrian. So all that 
had contributed to our dishes in Mexico. If any person come and eat here, you'll find like two versions of Mexico here. So you can find dishes that you will know and you feel comfortable with that can be like some Tex-Mex concepts. So we have some chimichangas, which there are not, you don't eat that in Mexico. But the filling of the chimichanga it, that we put is how you would eat it in Mexico on a taco or on a quesadilla. So, so we have that section. So we have the tacos and we have the chimichangas and we have the quesadillas that someone that's not being exposed to authentic Mexican cuisine feel comfortable with. Now, the fillings are all done very Mexican recipe-oriented. They are truly Mexican recipes traditionally. Those dishes are very, very well known. We have very much traditional tacos that you will find in the streets of Mexico. Mexico City or any part of Mexico, you have a lot of little taquerias that are stands on the streets, and they have usually the what we serve. Okay, so what's a traditional Mexican taco? You don't have a traditional taco. Taco is just the name for the tortilla to be used as a utensil to put in a dish that you cooked inside a tortilla. So that was your utensil to eat. Okay. So but on the streets, you will find certain that they have been a little bit more common, like um, a steak or chorizo with uh, potatoes, what we have, or something's called pastor, which is our ground beef with certain chili adobe, not spicy, and has pineapple and cilantro. Other tacos have cilantro. So the traditional tacos that you will find, which are the basics, the ones that are chicken or steak or ground beef. And, and then we have the other ones, like carnitas, which will be how we do our pork butt. And it is done hours in a specific way of the state of Hidalgo, where we put orange in. And that we also do tacos of carnitas. Important question, corn or flour tortilla? Both. We have both. Both. If you if you've asked me, in Mexico you will have corn tortillas for tacos. Here, a lot of people prefer <laughs> flour tortillas, uh, and it all depends where in Mexico. If you go to the north of Mexico, the states of uh, uh, Nuevo León, maybe Tamaulipas, that are on the Gulf side of the northern part of Mexico, you will find a lot of flour tortilla used which corn was, it grew corn, but not as much as the center of Mexico. In the center of Mexico and down, you'll find more our corn tortillas. So we offer both. Is it hard for you to kind of like dumb things down for us or Americanize things for us when you have to make certain changes to make them more appealing to American customers? Well, we don't, we don't dumb the things out. The filling remains the same. Mexican traditional way of the recipe done. We just put them on the shell that an American will feel more comfortable. Gotcha. And then it comes to dishes that people know them, but probably they will be more daring. But as, as more and more all this culture get integrated in the world and in the United States, more and more people knows more about it. So we have mole. Mole is a sauce made with a mix of spices. And it has, depending of where it's done, it could be green, it could be red, it can be pink, it can be purple, depending on what you put on your spices. And usually has nuts, um, peanuts, lettuce, uh, pumpkin seeds, uh, chocolate. 
and then you blended that with water. So you do a paste, and then that paste is the one that you would use to convert it into the sauce. And then you will cook there chicken or steak or turkey. We put mole, and, and you can also just have the sauce and put it on anything that you want. And it could be as spicy as you want it. Okay, let's back up because in the beginning you just sort of breezed through the fact that you have this whole other career and I'm going, well, how did she get from point A to point Z? So let's start at point A. Where in Mexico did you grow up and how did you learn how to cook? Well, I was, I grew in Mexico City. I'm an accountant and I have a bunch of studies after between marketing and finance and economy. And I used to work for some of the first largest firms, pharmaceutical in the world, up to 20 years so whenever I retired and got married and my parents in law got sick and I had a, a problem with some big health, we moved here to the States to take care of them and, and help them. I used to come here anyway to Tierra Verde almost every summer. So I was very much familiar to St. Petersburg. And whenever I came here being so, so busy, you know, you worked in this international companies like 100 hours a week. <laughs> so I came here and there was like nothing to do, you know, like take care of my daughter and my you know, parents-in-law, and then I have another 80 hours left for the week or 90. So I started cooking, which cooking has been, or it's a part of your growth in Mexico. There's no way that you arrive to 15 not knowing how to cook. Kitchen is the center of your lives in Mexico. For girls or girls and boys? Everybody. Everybody. But I would think that the ones that would learn more to cook will be the girls. Uh, but but the kitchen is still the center. You arrive to see a friend, and they don't receive you at your at their living room. You arrive directly to the kitchen, and you find out what the mom's doing, and you will eat it. So you just know the recipes because if it's everyday basis or Christmas or whatever, you just learn them how to do them. So um, besides, I did have an interest at cooking. So since very little, I would go on at the corner, they had a bakery, and I would say, hey, mom, can I come and work with the guy at the bakery? Can I come and work? And the guy said, no, because you're going to learn. So I said, no, no, I'm going to be an accountant. Just let me learn to do bread. So, so I started working with him, and then later than that, while I was working, I used to go to every single culinary class and culinary course, and either in Europe or here in the States or Mexico, just to keep having that love and passion that I had for food. So when I finished... High school, my dad said, why are you going to study? So well, I think I'm going to, what about if I put a bakery? <laughs> he said, no, you got to go to college. You put it whenever you're old. And then whenever I'm old, I decided to put it. So your parents didn't want you to become too good of a cook or baker because they thought you would want that for a career? Yes. <laughs> what would be wrong with that? I think that at that time, this, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, <laughs> as young as you are. Well, it may not be true. <laughs> <laughs> I think that now the chefs has like a little bit of a flair. They're almost some of them like actresses or actors, you know, like they have all this shine. In the past, you didn't. In the past, you would have to work and be in the kitchen. So my dad said, I mean, we've been paying all these schools and then you want to be a chef? I mean, you could have told us that before. <laughs> and, and I think that he was right because with the background that I have on running a business and managing companies had allowed me to merge what I love in terms of the passion of cooking and the passion to know how to run a business and how to face crisis and how to make a customer happy or how to listen to them. So I think that it was not 
that about goal. <laughs> Not at all. You're doing all right for yourself. So tell me about some of your global travels and how they influence Gran Hacienda and also Sea Glass Tavern, which we'll talk about. Yes. The company that I worked with was based in Germany and it was the number one private pharmaceutical company in the world. So I started in from finance to manage the all the developments for the company uh, for Latin America. So I had to travel a lot to uh, Latin America and to Europe. And every time that I go, I say to my boss, hey, can I stay a week more? And he'll let me go, and then I'll just go to a culinary something. So I think that all that traveling that I loved in me being passionate for food, between whatever I would study and whatever I love to go and eat, I think start influence and, and teaching me I love history and anthropology, how food is the element of linking all of us as humans into a happiness of desire. I mean, you can see, I could go to India and I could have fights that they say, well, mango is from India. I said, no, mango is from Mexico. We grew them in our backyard all the time. And then you start seeing how India is on the same area as Mexico and they have those similar spices. So we have actually an Indian, a big Indian community here in St. Peter. They come to eat to all our restaurants because we have the same flavor profile that they have. Ah. Like almost the same. They even eat more spicy than us. So they say, hey, can we have more chili? Can we have... But it's the same flavor profile. We have the rice and the beans and the spices and the cilantro. I've lived in the UK for a while because of my husband's background. So, so I think that all that allowed me to understand and probably to integrate more the cuisine that we served. Being Mexican food, very French-oriented. Uh, our sauces are very French-oriented. The base is based as as when France arrived and Spanish arrived. So you could understand them even better. Like you say, oh, I mean, well, this that I'm eating in Spain is just identical to what I eat in my house. You know? and then, then you start kind of linking how Mexican food is so similar to European food with slightly differences because of being 300 years Spanish. So I think that it had influenced a lot on, on the taste and on trying to offer and bring it to St. Pete. Really the Mexico that people sometimes is not know. Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. I'm embarrassed to say that I never thought about the Frenchness of Mexican food because there was such a French influence. And when you think about Cinco de Mayo, which people think is Mexican Independence Day, but isn't. Maybe you can explain what Cinco de Mayo actually is. Yes, Cinco de Mayo is a battle that the state of Puebla won over the French. But it was just a battle because the next day they took over Mexico. Uh, Well, it was like a David (laughs) and Goliath situation. So it's a very important battle in terms of what we won, but it's not something that we celebrate and stop all our lives in Mexico. It is celebrated here in the U.S. because more than likely someone that arrived in California that was coming from the state of Puebla started to put it as a big tradition. 
our main festivity in Mexico for independence is September. So in September 15 and 16, which is our independence, is when we just totally closed everything around. When France occupied Mexico was during the time that Europe was kind of cracking down with empires and uh, we have France for, I don't know, maybe some few years, but the influence was very big. And then we have an Austrian emperor that Napoleon and a part of the third sent. So all those years influenced a lot to the point that whenever they kicked them out, the medium and upper classes in Mexico like so much is French cliche that they kept all the chefs that they sent. So whenever you go to Mexico, you find a lot of Mexican restaurants and a lot of French restaurants. You don't find a lot of Spanish restaurants because we cook Spanish. You know what I mean? We do cook very much Spanish food. Like we we have paellas in our normal restaurants, although it's in Spain, but we were 300 years. You couldn't you couldn't avoid not to cook Spanish. Yeah, there's Mexico. a lot of lot of crossover. Yes. Do you feel like Mexican food gets the respect it deserves compared to French cuisine? No, I don't think so. I, I think that we have a very a very complicated cuisine that people does not know. Like whenever I was talking to you about the mole, mole, it is, the word mole means to grind. It comes from the verb moler, which is to, to grind. So it is similar to the curry. So curry is also to grind a bunch of spices that are going to be used in, as a base of a dish. And you have a curry for all Asia. And they, you have the curry in India, the curry in Thailand, the curry, in, you know, all of, and all of them are different. It's the same thing here in, in Mexico. So as in all the countries that they have probably conquered and discovered during the 1500s, Mexico was many towns and many empires. So each different region has their own mole and had their own different uh, flavor to offer. So no, I don't think it is not well recognized. We have some great seafood dishes that we served here. Uh, like we have ceviches. So unless you know Mexican food and unless you want to be daring, you'll find them in our menu. You know, we have uh, empanadas, which everybody fights if empanadas are Mexican or if they are Puerto Rican or they're from Latin America or Chile. Empanadas come from Europe. And since we all were conquered by Europeans, and empanadas was, again, a utensil to carry a filling that you would cook at home. So we have from empanadas to chile relleno that you also do it in so many ways in Mexico, depending on where you are. And you can fill the chile relleno again. You can put it for seafood or you can put some meat or you can put whatever you want to put. And you will put the sauce of whatever you want to do. If you put a sauce that's tomato sauce, the base is like in Spanish tomato sauce. If you put a sauce that's creamy, that's like a French bechamel sauce, just with a poblano pepper blend into it. But... It is all these mother sauces that came from Europe just blended with our ingredients. Yeah, it's starting to make sense now. It's interesting what you said about how in your parents' time, chef wasn't the same respected career that it is today. But, you know, even in my Netflix queue, there's like a, a show called Chef's Table. There's another show, a whole series about different kinds of tacos. And they'll talk to chefs, they'll talk to immigrants, so do you feel like now that you have this platform as a chef that you have to 
be more than just the cook, but maybe speak up about all these different issues? Or are you able to just kind of keep your focus on the restaurant itself? I think that the past did not recognize them here in the U.S. and in and in Mexico. I think that you find in Mexico a lot of more traditional street food. You know, whenever he's a show of tacos, they show you tacos from everywhere, but they're not chefs, they're cooks. They see us as a cook. I think because we learn there. You know, we don't have to go to culinary school to do anything of the food that you see here. Our culinary school was our grandma, our grandpa, our mother. You know, we come from there. And yeah, now you have a lot of refined chefs in Mexico that what they do on our novel cuisine Mexican is just like to blend and put more sophisticated some of our ethnic flavors, but they are the same. You cannot change an ingredient that exists forever, but they just probably do them with a better look or with different techniques, but they're very similar. <laughs> I wish I could stay here all day. Um, but let's leave Mexico now as we wrap up because it is lunchtime and, and people are coming through the doors. <laughs> so let's leave Mexico and let's talk about Sea Glass Tavern. Tell me what that's all about. Well, what, by, by having all these Mexican restaurants, all my partners and I start talking about that we have other abilities to present food to Tampa Bay. And we decided to go to comfort food. I do think that food is a healer. For us, our intention was, again, to bring to Tampa Bay food that we all know, presented and served and made, not differently, but how it has to be. So we do everything from scratch, there and here. We served very affordable comfort food, but in a very nice environment. The location is gorgeous, it's very pretty. And then we have a variety of dishes that brings you back to comfort, but just done on the well way. You know, from fried chicken to fish and chips from the UK or spaghetti and pasta. We do our, we do our pastas in-house, so they're very good. And some of the pastas has poblano and some of the pastas have meat or some of them have chicken. Uh, we do some French roasted chickens. We do a sauce that will go with the spaghetti and meat sauce or spaghetti and our seafood. It is done from scratch. We don't get it frozen or we don't re-fix it. We, we all do it from scratch. Uh, it's called Siglas Tavern because we wanted to cover... You know, some seafood dishes, but at the same time, some other land dishes. Oh, it all sounds so good. Now I want to take a trip to Mexico. This has been fantastic. I don't know if your parents are still with us, but what do you think they would say? I mean, seeing all of your success. Oh, they love it. Whenever they come, they want to come and eat here. And of course, they will be picky here and there. And they will say, oh, I think that this one needs a little bit of chili or a little bit of spicy. Oh, this one is very good. Or why don't you put this big crab legs, Claudia, because we do have a lot of crab legs in Mexico. Not the big long crab, but the small ones for the Gulf of Mexico. So yes, they love coming and see it. And, and they're very happy that I that I did it. They knew it. Uh, my strength, passion within, and my strong passion within the culinary area. So, no, they love it. I mean, they love it. My dad is a big seafood lover. When he went to see Glass Tavern that I just introduced him to as we just opened it, he loved every single dish that we have. Well, you went into restaurants and it looks like it all worked out for you. So they must yes, be very yes. proud. Yes, we, we love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was great to meet you. Muchas gracias. De nada, bienvenida. 
That was Claudia Johnson of Grand Hacienda Restaurants and Sea Glass Tavern. Claudia shared a recipe for birria tacos, and you can find it on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Delia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. Our digital team includes Chandler Balcom and Alexandria Ebron. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media. Copyright 2023. Part of the NPR Network. <laughs>